0: I coach and then I do consulting and I feel that at this stage in my life, my, my purpose is to help that knowledge transfer. Here's the thing. If I have a major problem with my, with my computer or my server, I'm not calling somebody my age to fix it. No. Why would no. I do that? Right. I'm calling somebody that's in their thirties who runs mm-hmm. my website and says, oh yeah, let me, let me, let me go in and tweak it. And, and it's done. Right. What they don't know is how to have a conversation with their boss about, I think I'm ready for a promotion, so that I can share with them, okay, here's how you might want to go with that. So it's all about the knowledge transfer.
1: Yep. I am not
0: ever going to want to master my own website. I don't want to do that. But there are plenty of people who know how to do that. And I know where my skills Mm -hmm. begin and where they end. And we all have those. Yes, skills we have skills we don't have right We've got to be able to share
2: welcome to breaking barriers building a higher ground where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics historians and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insights into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore, joined today in studio by Matt Colacello. And in today's episode, we're joined by the former president of the NMSDC, Josette Wright. Josette is a true leader in the field with years experience and currently serves as a diversity consultant and leadership coach at Waypoint Strategy. From her time at the NMSDC leadership team and background in other diversity-centered roles, Josette has a deep understanding of why diversity and inclusion is so important in the modern marketplace. According to a study conducted by Glassdoor, 67% 67% of job seekers consider workplace diversity an important factor when considering employment opportunities, and more than 50% of current employees want their workplace to do more to increase diversity. Leaders like Josette are a huge part of why DEI and i is becoming an ever-increasing topic of discussion in corporate America. We're so glad to have her joining us today. Welcome to the show, Josette. And you know, I always told people I can tell how long you've been in supplier diversity if you can say... NMSDC, like you've been like you can just roll off your tongue. Cause I can't tell you how many times Ugh. I was at the national show yeah. and the <laughs> MC would walk up and they go, the ba. you're like, yep, you've never said that a day in your life, brother, have you?
0: No, NMSDC, 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 NMSDC.
3: There you go. There you wow. go. I remember my first days in supplier diversity, I worked for Lisa Miller at SunTrust. Yes. And I Oh, yeah. Uh, she's also a paragon in, in the industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The very first conversation, I pulled her aside. I was like, I think you just spoke Greek. I have no idea what in the world what just said, because <laughs> I come from a military and police background. I thought there were a lot of acronyms then. Mm-hmm. But supplier diversity by far has been one of the most acronym rich fields I've ever been part of.
0: It is. It, you're absolutely right. It took me a while to learn the language. And I had to talk to me by someone who grew the program that I was working in, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come down so he could give me an overview of the company's program. And I said, sure. I took down my, you know, I'm a, I'm an attorney. So I'm looking at it from a compliance kind of perspective. Sure. Yep. And he starts talking. And I finally, I, I kind of do a timeout, timeout, Mark, timeout, timeout. <laughs> okay. These words were words that were never spoken to me when I was in law school, nor in the first right. seven years of practice. So we're going to have to kind of roll back a little bit. We right. have to go real slow. Right. Let's start MBE. I mean, and then that's how that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how I got started. No, I, it's it, and it's it's
3: true because i mean, that's one of the things Chloe and I and Matt make sure that we do anytime we introduce a new acronym to the show. We take a minute and stop and explain what it is. Yeah. Yes. Right. Instead of just yes, rolling sure. through it and, and and hoping everybody's keeping up. So excellent. We've all, we've all been in the, we've all been in that conversation. Like, huh? Something was just said.
1: What
4: what do you think? What do you think? So Josette, along along this, this journey that has involved many acronyms um and, and many, many organizations, um, tell us about tell us about your career path and, and how you came to be where you are today. This is yeah. something that we'd love to ask our guests before yep. we okay. get into the nitty-gritty of your of your perspective and your insight, how did you get to where you are? Because supplier diversity. Leaders always have very interesting paths.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it is not. It was never on my radar. It was not in any of my career plans. There were no right. goals, nothing like that. And actually, it came to me. I was a, a lawyer. I am a lawyer, and I was working in the law department of um, Indiana Bell. And one of my clients was the internal sales team, and so they came to me with a problem, and it was they were uh, doing a bid on a public project. And in the um, request for proposals, there was this statement, you know, we want contractors who have MBE, WBE programs and goals, and you'll have to sign up for these programs and goals. So the lawyer who has to look at all these documents, they asked me, what does that mean? And I said, I have no idea, none whatsoever. And I said, I think it has to do with purchasing. Let me call the purchasing department. And that's when I had my tutorial from Mark Batiste saying, "Okay, this is how it works. We do have a program. This is how it works. Here's how many suppliers we have in our database. These are the areas that they work in. So I went back to the sales team and I said, well, actually, we're in a good position here because we do have a program. We do have suppliers that have been identified as meeting our criteria and we've actually used them on public projects. So when you bid this, don't just say you have a project or a program, mm-hmm. go ahead and put the names of the suppliers that we would use because we've are, they've already been vetted. And they right. said, well, why would we do that? I said, because the city doesn't want to go through the process of waiting for us to find something. Find the MBE, find the WBE, then get them up to speed. If you've got someone that's ready to go to work now, that cuts the time. Right. And if we cut the time, we right. cut the cost of the project.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They said, okay, we'll try it. They got the bid. They were so excited. They came back and said, okay. Okay, you're going to help us with all of our sales now. I'm like, well, no, I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm going to
1: teach you how
0: to contact the right people. Right. But they began to see that there was a competitive advantage on first of all on our public bids or public projects, absolutely, even on some of our private projects.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, yeah, so
0: that was my uh, my my start. And I mean, I really started from a place of what's well, compliance driven. So let's find out: Are we in compliance? Mm -hmm. Well, then it kind of grew from there because I began to see and get to know some of the women and minority owned firms that did business with us. And Indianapolis is a it's a it's a large city, but it's still a small town. And you get to see these these suppliers around the city doing things, you know, they're donating to food drives. They're hiring people. They're out and about. They're leaders in the community. And you begin to see how their success in business trickles down into various aspects of what's going on in the community. And that's when I got hooked. It's when I took it out of the compliance perspective and looked at it as we are creating uh, great customers for our service, first and foremost. We're creating great suppliers for our, for our company, uh, we are helping to educate students who want to maybe go to college one day. We're doing all these things that are help, helping to build a stronger uh, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, yes. you know, the light, you know, light bulb went off. I said, "Oh, okay, I get it now. Now I see it." Yep. And that was probably in the early '90s. Then it became a passion for me.
4: So supplier right. diversity went from being something that was required to yes. something that you were embracing as like really a strategy for increasing the economic prosperity of your city.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Correct. Yeah.
0: And it was interesting because I don't think anyone in the sales department had any idea that it could be a competitive advantage, that we already had a program, that we already right. had a suppliers. So the lead time that we could offer Our customers was much lower because none of the other competitors of ours at the time had nearly the kind of robust program that we had. So we were always prepared to put somebody on a project that knew exactly what to do because they knew us and knew our procedures. So that's kind of how the sales team got on board because they're like, oh, this is great. Then they got to think, oh, wait a minute, they could become customers of ours.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe, right. Maybe
0: I can sell them a Sentrax or I can sell them a PBX or I can, right. you know, because salespeople are always looking for the next sale. Mm-hmm. I get it. And so they sure. say, wait a minute, this is a pretty big company. We might be able to offer them some services. So right. that's kind of how you begin to see the uh, the interplay between right. the supplier, the diverse supplier and his or her business and their ability to drive change and impact in a community.
3: Yeah, I cannot agree with you more. And that's one of the things we say on this show all the time. If you view your supplier diversity department or you as a supplier diversity manager view yourself as a cost only shop, you're kind of doing the job wrong. Correct. Right. You are an agent of revenue, both for your community and both and for your uh, the company you're working for. For Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, so back in my days when I was with the bank. You know, we all of a sudden had our small business people come up to and go, "Hey, we think you're talking to the people that we want to do business with," and we just kind of looked at them like, "It took you this long to put yep. all that together? We've well, we only yep. really been telling you that for a few years now." <laughs> and 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 they said, "So what do you think we should do?" We're like, "Just come to a show." We brought them to an um, MSDC when they were here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Okay, I remember and that? Said, I
0: was there. I was okay, there. okay. I was, we said, yeah. "Hey,
3: look, the the shows here. Come in." You know, we're going to do our supplier diversity thing. You can do your business banking thing. Because I, we kept telling them, look, when we're at the shows, people are like, hey, this is great. I'm already in your portal, blah, blah, blah. I have a banking question, though. And I'm like, I know it says banker, but I am anything but. <laughs> I'm not a banker. <laughs> I am not a banker. Right. In fact, you don't want me anywhere near your accounts. Trust me. <laughs> um. So we're like, we're getting these questions all the time. And I mean, it's like, it was like a a one-stop shop where they come and ask me about supplier diversity. And then I'm like, and then there's my banking partner. And we just kind of shoveled people back and forth between the two. And at the end of the day, they were like, oh my goodness. They're like, we have so many leads. They're like, and we didn't realize these accounts were so big. Right. You know, and I think that's the other thing people don't realize how big these diverse businesses are and the amount of money they're moving.
0: Well, it's interesting because when people think of small business, I mean, I, I, there's a whole lot of things we can talk about. Small businesses meaning, you know, fewer than five employees and right. you know, five million dollars revenue. Okay, right. that's sure. probably mm-hmm. small. But when you're doing business with large corporations that are members of NMSDC and WeBank and USPAC, right? They're right. looking for organizations that are already at scale or can scale up and therefore have that potential.
1: Mm-hmm. And so yeah. as
0: they are growing, you're, I one of my clients is a financial institution as they're growing they're going to need bankers they're going to need people to help them with deposits they're going to need people to help them if they if they w- want to buy get a line of credit mm-hmm. so the time to start building those relationships is as they're growing and then you grow along with them and vice versa yep. but if you think of small businesses as just like a mom and pop operation you you're you're not really going deep enough and so right. part of the inquiry is to go deeper and not to just stay on the surface and right. I think when people go deep and you see the size, the scale, the scope and the industries that these MBEs and WBEs are in, you are I'm not astonished, but many people are astonished. They are.
3: They're, it's yes. almost like slack-jawed astonishment, right?
0: exactly, exactly. It really
3: is. What? So, really? What? I had no idea. I can't tell you how many times I got to hear. I had no idea. I was like, mm, I know. Well,
4: <laughs> I, know and I mean, that, that misconception really reflects the lingering ideology that got us to this place in the first place. Correct. Right.
1: Yes. 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 So, yes. I mean,
4: that's another big part of what we're doing here is changing culture so that right. people can even accurately perceive the marketplace in front of them. Correct.
0: Well, I, th- I think you made a point, Adam. When you said it, when you started this off, you talked about sixty-seven percent of employees on, on Glassdoor think that diversity mm-hmm. is important, and more than fifty percent want to make it a, a, a larger effort or see their company make a larger effort. Right. One of the things that I realize that we're seeing is we're seeing a shift. A generational shift in the workforce. So when I was coming up, we had major issues. I came up during the civil rights movement. So mm-hmm. you were trying to figure out can I go to that restaurant? Do I have to go in the front door, the back door? Right. Uh, I mean, right. So yes. Our attitudes were driven by our political reality. Mm-hmm. Today's person coming in the workforce may be 24, 25, they grew up with children that did not look like them. They grew Correct. up. After or as the women's movement was really peaking in terms of, you know, women being able to mm-hmm. to be able to do everything that men can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not everything, but, you know, when it comes to intellectual, yes. Correct. And so their expectations are very different from the mm-hmm. expectations that I Most had. Definitely. I came out of law school and people were looking at me like there is a black female attorney who is a Yankee practicing. Right. In you had every strike room.
3: against you at that point. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, all that's true. Now what? Yeah. So <laughs> what we're seeing with these younger people coming in is, well, that's what I'm used to seeing. Right. That's what I saw in school. That's what right. I saw in college. That's what exactly I see in the real world. Yep. And the folks that are there, I call I I call us lovingly those holding on mm-hmm. uh, are, you know, they're holding on they're and holding and on. Not, but sometimes you got to let it go. You you got to let it go or true. help train the younger person about the ins and outs of the business yes. operations, but not about yeah. the people who can and can't do it.
4: Right. Mm. Right. From, exactly. From holding on to holding court.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes.
3: It's <laughs> yes. a good way yes. of putting it, Matt, because it is truly one of the things I see all the time is it's some soft skills. Right. That, that have been yes. lost. Right. Yes. Especially interpersonal communication. Yes. And how do I actually go and address somebody? Right. Yes. And that's what I find myself mentoring a lot of younger professionals on is like, how do I even go have this conversation? Right. right. How do I even do this type of thing? It's, and it's and it's interesting because we are so off script. It's not even funny, but this is so much more no, fun.
4: I, yes. And I, I have a tie in. So, oh, so thank I, God. This is the
3: only this is why Matt's on the show. He keeps <laughs> me between the guardrails.
0: Right. <laughs>
4: Thanks, Matt. <laughs> No, but but finish your thought, Adam, please. Well, I was gonna say
3: because you know my youngest son's about to go to college, mm-hmm. and his degree is going to be in integrated marketing and communications, right? Which is taking marketing and the digital aspect of GIFs, mm-hmm. memes, TikToks, all these different things, and understanding how marketers use that, and you have to understand the progression yes. of the of the digital asset, and then how is it being currently interpreted. How does that thing color your brand? How does your brand use that particularly? So where we're sitting here going, yeah, we have to help them have a personal conversation. They right. have to help us right. and go, that's great, but this is how we communicate. Right, right. Right. And it's really an interesting mix that's coming together right now.
0: It really is. I find it fascinating. And I'm I'm oh, yeah. one of those ones who I coach and then I do consulting. And I feel that at this stage of my life, my my purpose is to... Help that knowledge transfer. Here's the thing: if I have a major problem with my with my computer, or my server, I'm not calling somebody my age to fix it. No. Why would um, I do that? Right. I'm calling somebody that's in their 30s who runs mm. my website and says, "Oh yeah, let me let me let me go in and tweak it, and and it's done." Right. What they don't know is to how to have a conversation with their boss about. I think I'm ready for a promotion so that I can share with them. Okay, here's how you might want to go with that. So it's all about the knowledge transfer. Yep. Mm -hmm. I am not ever going to want to master my own website. I don't want to do that. But there are plenty of people who know how to do that. And I know where my skills Mm -hmm. begin and where they end. And we all have those skills we have, skills we don't have. We've got to be able to share. Yep with each yeah. other so we yes. have a better product on the back
3: end. I completely agree with you.
4: Well And so, here
3: comes so, Matt's tie in everybody.
4: Well uh, <laughs> but it, it is it's really it's really an authentic one and, and this is something we were gonna ask you a little bit later yeah. in the interview. Okay. But but it we'll works. ask you, we'll, I'll ask you now one of the things that we see is that you do have younger employees, younger inclusion advocates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but but younger employees in general pushing for business practices that are more inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, business practices that have real impact, right? Millennials mm-hmm. and, yep. and Gen Z want to know that their work is truly purpose-driven and aligns with what they want to see, you know, change-wise in terms of environmental and social economic mm-hmm. practices. Yep. And the challenge is that when your communication skills are so digital – It's difficult to build a kind of structure of consensus and it's Mm -hmm. difficult to, it's difficult to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like really sway members of the C-suite who are generationally in most cases of a different generation, right? Who Mm -hmm. might be 25, 30 years older Mm -hmm. in many cases, whose perspective is different, although not saying completely cut off from obviously the discourse of this moment. But they're looking to skill up, or or at least they they need to skill up in terms of how they do that outreach, how they right. build consensus and and passion around supplier inclusion, around DE and I generally in their company. And there's also the accountability piece. How do they build accountability? How do you build accountability from a, a a position that's lower in the pecking order Correct. but mm-hmm. so so and i know a lot of the supplier diversity professionals that are listening to the show are experiencing that no matter what yeah. generation they're from yeah. so from your perspective Josette, as as a coach um as someone that's occupied really high positions in our supplier diversity world how do we how do we do that? What I, I'm not asking you to lead a whole workshop right now, right, although right,
3: very interested. Right. it be, although I probably could be attending it. I, probably I was about to could. say that Yo, that's oh almost an episode could. in and of itself.
0: <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. I, how, I, how do we do that? What, what's your recommendation?
0: You know what? It's so funny you should say this because I think back to when I was a, a, a young woman going into work, I was I was an attorney when I went to the phone company. I was only like 35 years old. Was I 30? I don't even think I was 35 yet. I didn't understand a single word anybody ever said about anything because it was all alphabet soup.
3: Right. Mm. Right.
0: But what my, what my mother and my grandmother always taught me was that to get the information you need, go with your hand open Mm. and not defensive, not mad, not upset, just go with your hands open. And when I went down to talk to Mark about supplier diversity He was older than I was. He had information that I needed. And all I had to show him was that I need to understand it better. And I got more than I bargained for. And there was a woman working with him, Verena Strong. And I think Verena may have been Mark's boss. I can't remember now. But they took their time and sat down with a, a relatively young attorney who knew nothing about this part of compliance and explained it and said, if you have any other questions, let us know. We'll come back and we'll do another tutorial. We'll get you on a mailing list. So if you go with open hands, that means you cannot be holding your phone. It means you cannot be texting. You cannot Thank be you. typing. You cannot be swiping up, swiping left, swiping right. Thank You, <laughs> you have to have your hands open, right? Mm-hmm. So once you take that device out of your hand and you go back to the way w- you first communicated with your mother and your family of origin with your words, Now, it seems simple. I have a a three-year-old granddaughter who has a marvelous vocabulary. Marvelous. And she can go out and talk to the waitresses at the restaurants and tell them exactly what she wants. (laughs)
4: Love it.
0: I mean, exactly. I don't want the blueberries on the pancakes. I want them on the side. I don't want them in the pancakes. I want them on the side. Yes, Ella, we got you. She does not (laughs) do any. She has no screen time. She. I think she gets 15 minutes twice a day.
3: That's perfect.
0: And instead of using a device or being distracted by the pretty pictures, she uses her hands. She uses her words. She's constantly talking. Now it's a it it, it can be a bit exhausting. It can be a bit exhausting. <laughs> oh yes. If you're the Gaga who's listening. Yeah. But I tell you, I teach teach her, and her parents teach her. Let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think we have gotten away from just having a conversation. About how we're connected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't mean through social media, I mean mono and mano, face to face.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Look me in my eye and let's talk.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think if more young people could kind of figure out how to detach from their their, their devices, and mm-hmm. I have the same issue too. I mean, I have to put my device down when I yes. talk to my clients. Yes. Okay, it's coaching time. I cannot yep. have my device because I'm not going to nope. be paying attention.
4: Nope. Yes. But yeah, it's think, it's universally oh, addictive.
0: Yep, yes. it is. It, and and no, yes, one's, it is. no one's immune. No one is immune, nope. including nope. people my age. So you put the phone down, you have your open hand. Okay, so tell me what's going on. What do you need to hear? Mm-hmm. The person who is receiving that, com- that conversation, who is usually my age or in that age group, open your heart mm-hmm. and remember when you were starting out, Who were the people that helped you? Because believe it or not, you didn't know everything that you know now back then. So true. So if you have open hands, open hearts, and what is I always judge, just kind of let go of judgment, suspend judgment for a moment, just suspend it. Mm -hmm. And if it hurts you to say that, you can pick up judgment later. But right now, for the purposes Mm -hmm. of this conversation, I'm going to suspend judgment. And then go through it that way. One of the things you said early on was uh, you talked about belonging, and that's the new word that's been added to this whole conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's belonging. And belonging is a word that everybody gets.
3: Yes, I agree.
0: It's everybody. It's the third level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. It's when we shift from being merely surviving to seeking relationships. And nobody gets upset if you say, Do you want to belong? No. It's not at all. It's a positive, Mm. it it evokes feelings of warmth and connection. So if we bring that sense of belonging, whether you are 25, 65, or somewhere in the middle, whether you're the smartest person in the room or not, if you feel like you belong, you will give it your best shot.
3: Yes, you will. Yes, you will. So
0: that's kind of how I. Go at people. Look, we're trying to learn some things together. Yeah. Right now we belong to each other as we're going through this journey. How can I help? I love that. And then wait.
3: Yep. I absolutely love that. So, you know, that kind of comes back to and and, and something we kind of touched on a little bit, but something I, I really would like to have our our audience hear you talk about, right? And that's how did you become the president of the oh, NMS DC? Oh, right. Was- so here oh. we yeah right <laughs> exactly you know because that's a that's a big role right that is a spotlight oh, role is yeah. that is, is a monster role right because you're having to deal with the smallest of the MBEs to the largest a, a largest of the corporate tens
0: yes yeah right yeah those
3: are wildly different conversations.
0: Well, I, I will tell you, I remember the first time I heard Harriet Michelle speak, and oh, man. I was. I That's was, a name
3: that just in folks chillset. Anybody right. who's been in the industry, Yes,
0: I was consulting. I was doing some consulting, and I heard her speak, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, what passion, mm-hmm. what commitment, and the data that she brought in that in that meeting. And I thought, man, that is so impressive. You know, I would like to do something like that one day.
3: <laughs> when I'm back
0: to work and didn't think anything else about Be it. Be careful what you wish for. right. Don't. I wasn't even thinking about it. I, I had, uh, uh, after I left the phone company and being head of procurement, I was on the board of NMSDC. So Mm -hmm. I got to see more of how it worked and how it all came together. Right. And my background is in procurement and in supply chain. So I kind of said, well, yeah, I could do that. Well, when she announced that she was going to retire, I got a call from a search firm. And, uh, I, I said no twice. Wow. For a couple reasons. One, I didn't think I could be as good as she was. Number two, I was in Chicago in a city that I loved. and wasn't sure I could ever live in New York. That just seemed just huge. Right. And I think the third thing was inertia. I was doing something that I liked. I was running a nonprofit that served people with developmental disabilities. And I was very rewarding, very rewarding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, you know, my kids are in college. I'm like, hey, I'm good. And right. then a friend of mine called and asked me, you know, would I at least consider it? I said, okay, I'll consider it. And I did. And the search firm called me back and I, you know, had an interview and I went to went to New York for an interview. And I kind of knew when I left the interview that I was probably going to get the job. Because mm-hmm. I, I should tell you, I've also been in search before. That was, a, I've had a lot of, I've worn a lot of hats. Yeah. So I've been <laughs> before, I kind of said, this interview is kind of going pretty well. So yeah, right. And then about, you know, five days later I get I get a call. And then I met with the chairman of the board in Chicago. He happened to be in Chicago and we talked and I really liked his approach. I really liked the way his firm, it was Macy's, how committed they were in the different programs that they had.
3: Macy's has an Mm. incredible program. They have a great program. I was on Mm -hmm. their advisory
0: board for a couple of years. I said, okay, I, this is way out of my lane. This is way out of you know anything I thought I would want to do, but the 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 work that needed to be done still needed to be done, mm-hmm. and I thought I could add my skill set to that and help build on what Harriet had built, and mm-hmm. then you know build it up enough so that whoever came behind me would have something to work with. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up becoming the president.
3: Awesome! That what is an incredible, absolutely amazing. Great. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things
0: I tell people one is it's kind of funny because my path to everything that I've done up till now has been very different. I did yeah. not come out of law school, go to a law firm. I, I didn't do I did everything kind of intuitively and yeah. organically. Yeah. Opportunities found me. They'd say, hey, awesome. you know what? So and so is looking for somebody to do this. Or would you be interested? Oh, that sounds interesting because I was open to mm-hmm. learning something new. You
3: know, and that's the key, right? If we kind of open ourselves up to that, because I tell people all that all the time, my background's criminal justice, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And also supply chain like yourself and supplier diversity happened to be a happy accident. Right. You know, but
0: yes. And when you fall
3: into it, though, you get a passion for it. And you're like, this will now no matter what else I do career wise, this will always be part of my professional DNA.
0: Right. I like the way you call that a happy accident. That's the perfect word for it.
3: Yeah, it really was. Mm-hmm. Because had I really known what one-on-one matchmaking was in the early days, I may have was, told Lisa no.
0: No, exactly. You said, oh, <laughs> that's a hard pass. No, I think no, I'm hard, good. <laughs> hard no. So, yeah, I think being open, uh, first of all, being open to me is the sign of a curious mind. And a curious yes. mind is not going to stop until it gets the information that it needs and can right. make a difference. So right. uh, that curiosity. And I don't, I don't really have the risk to me was not that I couldn't do it. The risk to me was, would I be able to make a difference? Mm-hmm.
1: And so mm. that to me is
0: always, I know I can do it. The mm-hmm. question is, is will I be able to make a difference yeah. in the long run? So that's yeah. what I kind of think about, even with what I'm doing now. So,
3: yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, you know, this has been an amazing conversation, Josette. And like I said, I remember, Back in the days when you were president, it was, uh, you know, uh, the organization was it still is great, but it was it was great to have you as president and and yeah. be one of the supplier diversity managers at the time underneath you. But kind of closing out. Right. And and thinking about our audience. Right. We have supplier diversity professionals listening to us. We have strategic mm-hmm. sourcing professionals listening mm-hmm. to us. We have MBEs listening to us. Right. Mm-hmm. What are okay. some of the what are some of the strategies that you've seen and done at all? Yeah. Right. One yeah. of those people yeah. that's been there, done that both sides of the aisle. Right. What What are some emergent strategies, though, that you're seeing that we can start utilizing, whether we're a corporate or an MBE or one of our, you know, NGOs that are mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. right, to help encourage greater accountability for inclusive procurement, no okay. matter what the size. I mean, that's something I think a lot of people like, oh, inclusive procurement, that only that's a Fortune 500 thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. inclusive procurement, say, if you have a business, it's an everybody thing. Yes. Right. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. So. Kind of close us out with some thoughts, strategies.
0: So, so one of the things that I, I like to get people to do is to go back and reevaluate why you're doing what you're doing, because I yes. think people lose their way. And, the, and yes. people have forgotten, why are we doing this? Is it compliance? Is it because we want to drive market, market share? Is it because we right. want to build, be a pillar in the community for the growth and development? What is driving that commitment? Because whatever is driving the commitment, if it's not there anymore, it's time to reevaluate and either get rid of it or supplant it with the new rationale, whatever that is. Okay. Because your commitment is only as strong as what's motivating it. Right. And if what's motivating it is no longer relevant, then we have to come up with something that's relevant. What's relevant now is the fact that your employees, your customers, and the shareholders want you To be better. Right. I mean, they want to make their money. Don't get me wrong. The shareholders Mm -hmm. are always going to want that money. I got Mm -hmm. you. But they want you to do that in a way that is holistic. They want you to be uh, respectful of ESG. They want Mm -hmm. that to be important. So if it's time to shift that we do this because our shareholders want it or we do this because our employees are more judged up and more energized because they see us moving in this direction, whatever it is. But you've right. got to have a fire that's mm-hmm. driving your commitment. So that's number one. Number right. two, empower, let me say that word again empower your people. Yes. That means yes. if you're going to put somebody in a supplier diversity role, empower them to do their job.
3: Thank you. Can you say that again, please, a little louder for the people in the back?
0: Empower (laughs) your people to do their jobs. If they need something, give it to them and get out of the way. Thank you. Because in reality, a lot of the folks that are in these roles, they are they are the warriors and they are they 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 get no thanks. They they get no boys and girls. They just work like dogs. So give them the power to make a difference. Give them the power to say to a director, you know what? You're not doing your job. This is the goal. This is where I need your department to be. Right. And this is how. So, right. so first we've got what is powering this? What is the commitment driven by? Number two, empower the people that are in these roles to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. The third one is the accountability piece. And this is where, in my humble opinion, it all falls apart. The wheels come off the wagon, mm. the guardrails are off because the accountability metrics are wrong, in my opinion. Oh,
3: mm. No, you are preaching to the choir right now. Keep so, going.
0: Back in the day, and I i mean, I have to admit, I work for a company that just let me do my job. Just Joe said, just don't embarrass us. We don't want to be in the paper. Right. Just get it done. And right. they let me do my job. And so I was able to do things and many CPOs could not do today, like sign letters of credit for MBEs who needed to go to the bank to get money because they had to fulfill an order for the phone company, or have a letter of credit.
1: Wow. They don't do that anymore. No. Back
0: in the day, you could do that. I could. Now, maybe others couldn't. But as amazing. long as the CEO was not unhappy and I wasn't putting the the company's bottom line at risk, which I never right. would do. No, no. He didn't care how the sausage got made. Just go make it happen. Right. But when it came to accountability, I made a strong statement the first year I had the procurement role about supplier diversity because I was sent over with a challenge. Get 10% of the cost of running the procurement operation out. Get rid of it. And do not sacrifice the supplier diversity program. Okay. Okay. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. I got a team of consultants in and said, this is what we're going to do. And you cannot destroy the supplier diversity program. Right. I told all of, my support, all of my buyers, you all have targets. If you make your target, you will get your bonus in full. You'll get your first part, which is the corporate return. Yep. And you'll get the departmental return. And then you'll get your personal piece of that. Right. If you miss it, whatever you miss it by, that's what your personal piece will be cut by nice mm-hmm. so if you miss it by 5% i'm going to take 5% out of your allotted dollars i'm going to put them in a kitty
1: mm-hmm.
0: so if you if i have a lot of people that don't get it then that money will be redistributed to those that either met or exceeded their goals right i only had to say it once they, Got bad. they, they screamed the first time people were been out of shape their jaws were tight they were upset I never had to have that conversation again.
3: I bet you did not.
0: I did not. Because you can, it, it, it's like anything else. You teach people how you feel about a program, right. whether it's the space program, find a cure for cancer, or do supplier diversity. Yep. If you don't hold them accountable, then they won't take you seriously. Right. So, I would say when you start talking about the metrics, first of all, the metrics should not be aligned with a single supplier diversity person because they don't buy everything.
3: Nope, they do not. They don't buy anything. Right.
0: That's right. Accountability should start with who makes the purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. That person then has the option to say, well, I'm not going to do it. Well, okay, that's fine. The personal part of your bonus is going to be deducted by X. Right Now- Part of the issue that we that we have is that you have to set goals very very specifically. You can't just go out and say we're going to increase our spend by ten no. percent. you don't know what MBEs and WBEs are out there, so right? You and have some to of it, do the environmental scan,
3: right? Because then you're talking about addressable, non-addressable spend, exactly. Right, and there are some things by laws, certain people you have to go buy it from somebody because the government said to go do it that, that way. That
0: is correct. So
3: you that can't just correct. say ten percent unilaterally. That's I agree right. with you.
0: You have to get to the level of like you do with every department. What are your sales going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, now let's look at what are your cost of goods sold? What are your other sales operations expenses? You right. have to take that supplier diversity number apart the way you take apart a car that you have to put back together. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have X number of diverse suppliers in this category. You know, when I was at, at the phone company, we didn't have any switch manufacturers that were diverse. It was right. Nortel, ATT, and Siemens. Okay. Right. So. Right. Let's go and look at where are our MBEs and WBEs? What categories are they located in? Let's do that environmental scan first. Right. Now, let's see how our opportunities align with what we have available, because at the end of the day, it's still supply and demand. Right. Right. But I don't know companies that really get into that level of detail and then hold the department head or whoever's responsible for the purchasing decision. Until that happens, you will not get no. the you will not get the full value no. No. of any sort of strategy, whether it's diversity, and inclusion, or ESG. You right. won't get there unless somebody is held accountable.
3: Right. I, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, Hey, you know, Adam, you've been involved in, in great programs, not so great programs, you've mentored programs. I'm thinking about taking a supplier diversity role, but I don't know what questions as the interviewee to ask. I'm like, I'm going to give you two that you're going to ask up front. The first question is, how high of support do I have? Is this a HR thing that we're going to do? Is Mm -hmm. this a CPO thing we're going to do? Or is this Mm -hmm. a CEO thing we're going to do? And if the answer is anything but CEO, you walk away. Okay. Question number two, if they came Mm -hmm. back with CEO, is you ask them how much budget Am I getting in this department? Yep. Because yep. if the answer is um, none, you need to right. walk away because That's right. you can't do this job without money. That's right. You you can It's not going to be effective, right. and you're going to bang your head against a wall for years trying you're to find. Bang
0: it. yourself head in the wall, and you're going to ruin your reputation in the process. Correct.
3: Correct. Mm. Correct.
0: So that's what that people don't correct. realize. You're going to, yes. the person you hired to do it, they're become, going to become disengaged very quickly. Yep. And what, what minimal efforts you have been making will be seen as that minimal effort.
3: Right. Right. All show and no go, as we'd say. Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yep.
3: So I would just like to say thank you so much for that. That was, that's, um, oh, we could keep yeah, going. We, I mean, I but we may have to have Josette back for a part two. Can we I'm have him back saying. for a
4: part two? I think, that, I think by popular demand.
0: Well, I am happy. Like I said, at this point in my career, I'm comfortable and happy. My son works for an MBE firm out of Chicago. And periodically, he'll call me and say, okay, okay Mom, here's where I am. What do I need to do next? Now, he is not a supplier diversity person at all. He is a project engineer. Okay. So, so, and project manager, but he understands that his firm does well because corporations buy their services. Right. And so he sees. I'm very happy because he gets paid, which means he's not in my pocket. Amen. Always good. Mm -hmm. He's able to support his children. He is able to have a lovely place to live, buy a car, and all that other good stuff. Yes. So when you think about, when you think about what the impact of what you're doing could be. It could be, it could be tiny or it could be huge. I yes. always play, always, always play for the stars.
3: Always swing for the fence. Always. Ooh. Yep. Yep. So that's, I think that was a yes. I think
0: that was a yes.
3: I think that was a yes.
0: Yes. That was a yes.
4: <laughs> this has been nothing short of enlightening.
0: Um, well, thank yeah. you
4: so much. Thank you so much for, for all of your insight. And well, we look forward to more.
0: Yes. Well, I, I really am glad to, to share my thoughts because, uh, as my kids would say, we were standing in the cereal aisle and I was saying what cereals they could buy and not buy based upon whether or not they had what I considered a decent supplier diversity program. And they still know. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. oh. God. Oh, yes. Mom, really? Yes. Oh, and they're, but they, but they get it. I said, because we want to see money coming back into the communities that we live in and that we support.
4: Oh, yes, yeah. yeah.
0: yes,
3: yes, yes, and yes.
0: I'll keep helping the young people understand, go with an open hand, take the phone out, put the phone in, leave the phone in your office and just go go down to the cafeteria.
3: There you go. Just enjoy people.
0: See what happens.
3: Yep. I love that. I love that.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. It's really been a wonderful conversation and I'm grateful. There are still young men and women and others who are more serious about this issue than any previous generation. It's and true. That gives mm-hmm. me reason to feel hopeful and grateful.
3: So totally true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Well, Josette, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and for our listeners, you know, be sure to connect with us. That's Chloe Goodry Reed and at Adam A. Moore. And at Josette Wright and at Matt Colicello, all of us on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, and remember there will be a part two, make (laughs) sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous shows and stay tuned for next time. Talk to you all soon.